Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 6, Episode 25, When Characters Do Dumb Things. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. And I'm about to do a dumb thing. Well, that's nothing new. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. Hey, I'm back. Hey, welcome back, Brandon. (laughs) Yay. Yay. Actually, you're back. I was always here. But, um, (laughs) Why Characters Do Dumb Things. This is uh, an interesting cast. I want to do this one because... Characters often do dumb things, and there are good reasons for characters to do dumb things and bad reasons for characters to do dumb things. Let's talk about the bad reasons first. Okay. Slasher movies. Okay. The plot requires it. Yes. The plot requires that you run upstairs instead of outside. The The plot requires you to not talk to the girl you're in love with because this misunderstanding has to drive you apart in Act 3. Mm-hmm. You know, these kind of dumb things. Okay. Yes. You just pointed out how pervasive it is. If it's this pervasive, is it really a bad thing? Yes. Yes. Okay, <laughs> why? Mary, why is this a bad thing? Well, most of the time because it leaves the audience screaming at the, the screen or the book, no, how can you be so stupid? And that causes them to disengage with the character. Yeah, um, that's, I, a, that's, that's a really good reason to not mm-hmm. do it. You want your audience to be screaming at the characters. You know, yes. don't open that door, don't do this, but you want them to be doing it for a good reason. Yeah, and, and the difference is that the audience has information that the character doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that, that is a good reason okay. for the audience to be That's screaming. That's one of the very good reasons for characters to do quote-unquote dumb things. Um, you've been seeing a viewpoint that gives you extra information or whatnot. The thing that I want to emphasize here, though, is it shouldn't be because you are so much smarter than the characters that you figured it out. If the writer has telegraphed it that well to the readers, that most of the readers are saying, no, don't open that door because I've figured out that the slasher's hiding behind there and the characters don't, what you're gonna end up with is this disengagement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for the reader, I always say it's good for the reader to figure out what's going on, maybe two paragraphs before some of the characters. It depends on what genre yes. you're writing, though. Yeah, um, yeah that is, that's an important consideration and what type of character you're writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even still, if the reader figures it out way ahead, number one, it's going to be boring because they're figuring they're figuring too much out. But number two, it's going to they're going to see the hand of the author, the almighty author, coming in and saying, "Well, I'm just going to make him do it anyway." Uh, you lose credibility, mm-hmm. um, and these sorts of plots, they, it's it's part of the sort of cheap tricks that sometimes keep a quote unquote page turner going for a little while in the way that runs out of steam really quickly. And this is why I found that often I'll put a book down halfway through, is that first half can be kind of compelling because the author is pushing you along with these, these cheap tricks that you know, you know what's coming as a reader. You're anticipating it and you're waiting to see you know, the blood splatter. But then you just get tired of that. Now, the difference for me as a reader is that if the character is doing a dumb thing and I can tell it's plot-driven, 
I've disengaged with the character, and I want them to suffer for being this stupid. Okay. But if the character is doing something that I myself would do, given the information that they've got, and if I feel like it's the cleverest thing that they could possibly come up with, that this, is, this really is the best next step, and yet my authorial brain is following along with the author, and I know this is going to end horribly, I am stuck to the page and I'm terrified because I'm now completely engaged with that character and you as an author have have won me over, it, especially if that character, you know, something horrible does happen. They go, oh no, I would have died in this book. Um, that's, that is a great feeling to, to give a reader. Uh, in the right book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that you can do is you can play with the, um, you can play with having the reader know that it is a dumb thing. Right. And, um, and feel like if I could just speak to them and explain, they're making a choice that makes sense to them, if I could just talk to them. And that actually makes them feel more engaged. We, we use this trick in, uh, in theater a lot, where you, uh, you, you trigger a choice for the audience. Yeah, um, I, I would say that um, I see two exceptions to our sort of you wouldn't do it, but the character would mm-hmm. sort of things. One is if you've really firmly established this character's personality, um, and you can relate them doing the dumb thing to some sort of character flaw. For instance, um, in, um, in Pat Rothfuss's books, um, Quoth has a temper. He has a really mm-hmm. nasty yeah. temper. And every time I'm screaming at Quoth, don't do that, I'm saying, yes, but Quoth will, because Quoth is like this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he has cemented that character in my mind. We all do dumb things that we know we shouldn't mm-hmm. because of character flaws, or because of the second big um, exception, I would say, which is um, overwhelmed by emotion, um, which is kind of related to character flaw, but it's not always a flaw. If you're deeply in love with someone, you will often do something stupid, even though part of your mind is saying, no, don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, that that internal monologue that happens, the no, don't, is an important part of selling yeah. the decision to do the dumb thing. That they look at it, they think, this is probably not a good choice, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because of these things. And that, um, I think when you, when you fail to do that, that, that's when the character becomes flattened. Yep. And that's where the audience doesn't engage. But it, it is about having it internally motivated. Now, Dan, I would say that your books, a big cornerstone of them is the no don't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you establish character, and you establish the character saying, I can't do this, I know it's bad. And then sometimes they do it anyway. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that contrast of them doing something stupid? Well, the... The, some of the, some of it is what you've already mentioned. Um, John Cleaver has a very strong personality, and he also is uh, very self-delusional, and that comes across most strongly in the third book, um, where he is yeah. you know, constantly convinced that it has to be this way because that's the way he sees the world, and the reader is always able to see through that. So it's kind of an unreliable narrator kind of thing, yeah. where you're saying, no, I can understand you thinking that, but obviously, that's not the way the world works. That's not the way other people think. You're thinking like a sociopath, which is why you're misinterpreting all of this and making very poor decisions. Right, and why it works so well there is because, um, it, and it's really tricky to pull off an untrustworthy narrator this way, but what you do is you establish for us in the books what, um, a soci- how a sociopath thinks. Mm-hmm. And John even points it out to us. And then he doesn't notice it in himself, because sometimes because of the way that a sociopath thinks. And so we are able to connect the dots and say, oh, wow, this is what's happening to John right here. Oh, no, don't do this, John. 
-hmm. because you've established rules, you've established an untrustworthy narrator, and then you ram those two things together to create tension um, with a character potentially doing something horrible. Yeah, well, and in the case of John Cleaver, a character doing dumb decisions is probably going to result in somebody getting really, really hurt. Yes. Which yeah. is what amps up that tension, you know. I think and and uh, just really quickly, whatever genre you're in, we've talked a lot about horror with this, but any genre. Yeah. If you're writing romance, then a character doing a dumb thing still has incredibly powerful consequences. You know, whatever genre you're in, you can still have the same kind of tension and the same kind of... Uh, uh, consequences to stupidity. Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, let's do our book of the week. Um, our book of the week is going to be given to us by Dan. Yes. Um, a book that is very close to his heart. Okay. We're talking about people doing stupid things. My brother wrote a book. <laughs> oh, no. yes. Uh, my brother wrote an excellent book. It uh, is called Variant. It is a uh, young adult, kind of, sort of, kind of science fiction, kind of, sort of. 
But it's uh, mostly just a paranoia kind of mystery thriller thing about uh, a kid in a boarding school. And when he gets there, he realizes there are no parents. The children are all locked inside. And there's no teachers. There's, oh yeah, there's no teachers. No grown-ups. There's no grown-ups of any kind. Uh, the, the kids, they're all these kind of 15, 16-year-old kids. They're all locked in here. They don't know what's going on. They can't figure out why you know, they're here in the first place. And then big, even bigger mysteries come up that I can't even mention for fear of spoilers. It is a fantastic book. Um, and it involves some, at times, some characters doing very stupid things for incredibly believable reasons. I've read it. I really enjoyed it. Um, Howard, how can they get this book? Ah, head on out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can kick off a 14-day free trial membership. Um, and you can get a variant by Robison Wells for free or any other of the uh, awesome titles they have out there at Audible and support the podcast. All right. We've talked a lot about good reasons that characters <laughs> make um, make bad choices. Let's let's focus a little bit more on the um, the problems new writers have with having characters um, make bad decisions. Um, one thing that I'll mention here, since it's a, a major part of a book on writing I've read called Writing to Sell by Scott, Scott Meredith. He was the mentor of my agent, um, a, a very big agent um, for genre fiction back in the day, and he wrote a book. And he talks, has entire several chapters about what he calls idiot plotting. Mm -hmm. um, and idiot plotting is where not just the character doing something because of the plot requires it, but actually a twist on that. The idea where a plot depends on a character being stupid. Yeah. Yes. The I've <clears throat> I've <laughs> I've seen that a lot. There's it's a trope, I guess, in uh, in romance uh, mm -hmm. all the time, where if these two people would just talk. Yeah. All yes. you need, all you just need to share five words mm -hmm. with this person, and the whole plot goes away. If your plot hinges on uh, these two people just sharing five words, and and not even necessarily in a quiet moment then it's a, it's a dumb plot. And what you're going to end up doing is building into the plot a communications breakdown, which may itself, for us, the reader, we may look at it and say, oh, that's kind of dumb. Why? So all this happened because he didn't have his cell phone? Right. Or because his battery ran out? Or, wait, why don't these people have texting? What? Mm -hmm. I, and I will say that when, as we were talking about any of these, that most of them um, you can solve by building building it up sufficiently before you get to the point where they make the dumb decision. Yes. That a lot of this is, right. is about groundwork. If you have a, a romantic comedy in which one of the characters is well-established as leaping to ridiculous conclusions with very little information, You're fine. then that kind but, of classic but, third but, act thing yeah. can happen. But what, what Howard is talking about is where you have two people who have a really good relationship and then they fail to talk about a problem. Yes. Um, and, I mean, there are good ways to do the same sort of plot mm -hmm. that is, it's harder to do. And what you want to do to have the same sort of plot is have two characters have a very big difference that is almost ir um, irreconcilable. I mean, if you look at the whole concept of, um, of you know, the King of Siam, whatever that story is, Anna and the King, and mm -hmm. the, the, I mean, the idea of here's the polygamous king who's used to having his way, and here's the kind of liberated Western woman who actually have legitimate gripes about each other's culture and yet are attracted. This is a good way to have mm -hmm. two people not get along in a romance plot and be driven apart. 
A bad reason is to just have them not talk about each other and have you know one or the other misunderstand some big thing that the other one did and keeping them apart for that reason. If you kind of think about those two different plots, you will see why one is a really engaging romantic plot and why the other is really um, kind of lazy plotting. Mm -hmm. um, and this is what we're talking about in this. Now, laziness, I think, is a good point to bring up because I would say most of the time, especially with new writers, that's why this happens, is because you've seen this so many times yeah. and you just kind of fall into the same ruts that other writers have done. And if you take the time to just look at it from a new perspective and you go, oh, okay, well, I can see why this doesn't work. Yeah. This is an idiot plot. When I got to the very end, uh, very end, uh, last act of the most recent Schlock Mercenary book, uh, Force Multiplication, I needed an exceedingly competent military commander to make absolutely the wrong snap judgment, and I needed the audience to recognize that it was wrong, mm -hmm. um, but this, it had to happen this way because there were some key things in the plot that weren't going to be fulfilled if Major Murtaugh did the right thing. And so I looked at that. I looked at the wrong decision. I thought, okay, what does it take for Murtaugh to make the wrong decision? What does she need to see happen? And I queued up those things in the previous three or four strips so that when she reaches the conclusion, the audience looks at that and says, yep, that's exactly what she, had, she would have done if she had been looking the other way, if, if she hadn't been being shot at, if somebody had seen this and been able to call her Maybe she would have made the right decision, but in the position she's in right now, this is exactly the right thing for her to do. I thought you pulled that off really well. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it, yeah, I, I loved it, and the fans loved it, and it let me do lots and lots of fun things at the end of the book because the good guys were exactly where they shouldn't have been. Now, let me point out something in that story for um, all of our listeners. We do, as professional writers, sometimes decide this is what needs to happen in the plot. Let's figure out a way to make it work. We do that. So when you listen to us earlier saying, oh, because the plot requires it, they do something stupid. It's not the because the plot requires it part that's always the problem. In fact, we, sometimes it is, but not always. Usually the problem is, therefore, they do something stupid. There's a disconnect there between the new writer and the pro. And the pro looks at it and says, okay, this needs to happen in the plot. Let me have it happen for a good reason. Mm -hmm. yep. I, had mm -hmm. to lay, I had to lay groundwork. Yep. I knew full well, yeah, Murtaugh is making a, deci a decision that, given all of the right information, would be very out of character and very stupid. Given the wrong information, makes perfect sense. So I have to make sure that in the natural course of events unfolding, she gets the wrong information. That there aren't, you know, plot-forced bits of wrong information being handed to her. That mm -hmm. it all makes perfect sense. It unfolds very organically and results in something going horribly wrong. You know, in some ways, you can think of this as writing a mystery plot, where you almost construct it backwards mm. and throw in red herrings. Yeah, we specifically should, intended. We should definitely do a podcast on mystery plots. Um, can of worms. That's can of worms. That we'll do one of those in the next coming um, next coming weeks. We are. That's like foreshadowing, almost. Yeah, almost like laying the groundwork, Ooh. isn't it? Ooh, we're for <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do our, um, our writing prompt because I've been gone for so long from the podcast. And I'm going to suggest um, that you actually create a really solid romance where the characters can't be together for good character-driven reasons. Not because of misunderstanding. Not because they have an argument in Act 1 um, and then hold to a grudge. But because of legitimate either cultural biases or character biases. And write a story about that romance where in the end they don't get together. And not because one of them is dead. And not because one of them is dead, and not because either of them are stupid.
This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.